Austin Cunningham and Justin Treese of Talking Football. Week four has come to an end. We only have two teams or three teams that are undefeated, and one of them was on a bye this week. So I guess it still kind of counts, but this is the beauty of it. Here we are. Justin, how was your weekend, man? Another great one, man. Utah tailgate. Solid, solid time. Gave you a little call when I was drunk. Sorry about that. But I, I had to show you the new bucket hat, dude. It was it's pretty sweet. It was awesome. I love bucket hats. So when I when I opened the FaceTime, or you opened it, because I missed your original call on accident. I was out to dinner celebrating a birthday party and Therese called me. Never apologize for FaceTiming me. Never ever apologize. I love it. But when you that when you opened the camera and you're wearing that bucket hat, I just started cracking up and I loved it. I think you had Schulte there with you too. Yeah. 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 So the best part is so I had Devin with me as well. When we first started, it was me and Devin, right? And then Schulte came over. But yep. I, I'm like, Devin, watch. Guaranteed. Austin will not answer this FaceTime, but he'll call me back within 30 seconds. Watch. I call you. You don't answer. I hang up and I go wait for it. And then like 10 seconds later, you called. And he's Is like, that why you answered it with like fucking clockwork? That was yeah. the first thing I heard from you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because every time I call you, you don't answer, but you call me back immediately. Every time. Because <laughs> I always, I always realize the buzzing on my watch, like at the very end. And then when I'm like trying to find my phone and I get it and I go to answer it, like it ends right as I'm swiping to answer it. I'm like, shit, and then I have to get my phone unlocked, and then I got to get to your name, and then I got to get to the call, and then about that time, you're like, what's up, man? Yeah, and then, sorry, I got to say, because my wife's going to listen, she's going to ask why I didn't bring it up. It was my anniversary last night, so went and spent some good quality time with her. Surprisingly, we, we just were act like, acting like kids. We went to Dave and Buster's and played some games, so that, it was a good time. Hey, that's a good way to celebrate it. Um. This weekend, all I did was I actually won some money at a casino from the birthday. It was my cousin's 18th birthday party, and she wanted to go to the casino. And she's like, you know, I'm really getting tired of the slots. Let's try blackjack. I said, hell, I don't got any idea what I'm doing, but let's go. And we did, and we both won some money, so it was a pretty good time. Uh, congrats on the anniversary. What year? Eight. Ooh, the big old eight. Eight years yeah. of marriage. Yeah, crazy. How many years of being together all together? A lot more than that. Can't, can't. <laughs> Yikes, didn't mean to set you up. <laughs> set me up for failure. Yep. Uh, no, you're good. But uh, yeah, that was nice that you got to hang out with Lauren and have a good time there. So, I mean, hey, look at us being adults, hanging out with our wives and girlfriends. Hey, it's what we do. Uh, that's part of it, I guess. But uh, let's get let's get to the football part. This is what we're here for. We're here to talk ball. Um Week four is actually wrapping up right now. We have the game on. The Packers are actually, or excuse me, not the Packers. The Steelers are having a pretty good game. Mason Rudolph ended the half with, what was it that I said, 18 for 19? Yeah. With about nine of his passes going to running backs. But 133 yards and a touchdown, not too shabby for the young guy trying to win the job eventually. I do think he will be the future for the Steelers moving on. But let's start with last Thursday night. The prop bets for the Packers and the Eagles. Kind of a back-and-forth game. Not as an enjoyable game as I would have liked. It was kind of like a uh for a little bit. But pretty good first half for the Packers. So I'll let you go ahead and run into that with your prop bets because you're making a comeback on me there. You're catching up pretty quick. 
<laughs> yeah, I had a good I had a good week uh, in prop bets. I went seven for eight, and the one that I missed was MVS. I I said he'd go over fifty nine. He had fifty two. If you would have caught that final ball, he probably would have gone over. So uh, that was a little disappointing. But overall, I mean, the game kind of went as I expected, except for I just thought the Packers would end up with the win. I thought that the game would be going through Sanders and Howard and not so much Wentz, which is why I went the under. Uh, Sanders, it was awesome. I said last episode, hey, I feel like he's going to bust off a huge like 30 to 40 yarder in the third quarter. I said that and then he busted off like a 33 yarder, like the second play in the third quarter. So that was that was good to see. Um, We both were right on Alshon Jeffrey. It's one of those things with Jeffrey where – Sometimes, and by sometimes, I mean like most of the time, he doesn't put up huge numbers, but Wentz plays so much better when he's on the field. It's almost like the defense just pays so close attention to Jeffrey that it opens up other guys and it like gives Wentz that confidence that he's like, oh, I'm not throwing it into double coverage. I'm, I got these I got these windows with these like shifty type guys, right? And... Yeah, so I thought Wentz finally looked good. Wentz looked like Wentz last weekend. Yeah, and the, I mean, the Eagles altogether had a pretty good, like their offensive line had some massive holes like that you could drive a semi-truck to. These holes were big, and Miles Sanders took full advantage of it, and so did Howard, who, which you just mentioned, we talked about this on Thursday night during the game, but he reminded me of LT strictly because of his visor. The visor game with the white unis was freaking sick. I loved every bit of it. The best part of that game, though, would have been at the goal line where that Eagles defender gives the no, 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 and then the Packers receiver, like, points at him and it gives him the finger down the sideline, the goal line to the flag. Smoothest, like, fuck-off thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I I was cracking up on it. I wanted to make a post. I couldn't think of anything clever enough, so I just had to let it sit. Because you can't add anything to something that beautiful. But the Eagles, backs against the wall, really almost started the year off kind of defeated. But they found a way to win. Their offense was rolling. They're 2-2 two and two right now. The Packers is 3-1. and one. The NFC North is looking strong. And the NFC East is kind of looking a little iffy with the, with, the, with the boys in Dallas losing last night as well. But we'll get to that game later. It's really, everything's still kind of up for grabs, and that's the beauty of it. I know I've been saying week four and week five is kind of where we really see where the NFL is heading and what teams are and who they are and where they're going. We're starting to see teams realizing this is just not our year. We don't have enough. Let's just roll with what we got. And then you got other teams going, we just got to get the pieces to fall in the right place. And next week and the week after is when everything is officially set and we know where the NFL is heading. Um, so that's all I about, that's about all I have for that game. Anything else you want to mention, Trees? Uh, I think the most, so far through four weeks, the most disappointing thing that I have in this season is the Packers offensive line. I legit thought that this offensive line was going to be the best in football and we're going to just be pushing guys back and their running game was going to be amazing. Dude, they've gotten bullied. Like, even though they're three and one, I feel like they've been bullied three of three of the four games. Excuse me, there I accidentally went on mute. Uh, they actually they lost their left tackle, didn't they? Bugata or 
Bulgada, I think he got injured and was out for majority of the game. Or am I completely wrong? Yeah, I think he did get hurt, but I didn't know he missed majority of the game. I may have missed that part. But even so, though, like the, even like the week before that, they felt like they were getting bullied. Besides the week two when they just destroyed Minnesota, I just feel like they haven't been able to get that push that I, I was expecting. Yeah. I, I'm right there with you. The Packers, I think they're still they're figuring things out. They're going to be fine. Aaron Rodgers just isn't looking like Aaron Rodgers, though. I mean, he is, but he isn't. Like he's, it's, not, it's not what we're used to. Maybe he's just fully getting accustomed to the play calling or really where his teammates are at in the development of it. And maybe he just starts to pick it up. But that's really all I have for that game. The Titans and Falcons. The Falcons are just falling apart, Treese. They are just falling apart, and I feel bad for the bet that you had. Yeah, they're done. They're done. Like, it's over. This team is not what I expected them to be. Uh, that's rough. 100, 100 bucks down the drain there, but uh, <laughs> it, it happens. Uh, I, I just don't know what I'm more disappointed in. Like, I thought this defense was going to be better, but I also thought the offense would be better <laughs> so i just thought the whole team would be better uh but i think i'm more disappointed in the defense and i know that like neil is a big loss for them but i thought they'd get more pressure than what they actually are getting well they did last week that was the thing is that their defensive line didn't look bad and they looked decently impressive but this week their offense like you just mentioned was just so bad like, yeah. no running game. Freeman had a decent game, but Matt Ryan is just all over the place right now. Yes. Trying to escape the pocket and run at the goal line. It took him five steps to turn left and get maybe a yard up the field. Uh, in case for people that don't really realize, five steps is a lot for two yards and turning in one direction. But that's just where Matt Ryan is. Matty Ice is fucking ice slow. Like, it just took forever to get over there. And it's... Honestly, the reason for kind of most of their issues, he's not hitting Julio. He's not hitting Ridley. Uh, Sanu is about the only guy that is consistently getting the ball down the middle of the field. But anything on a deep out or deep down the field in the end zone is being overthrown. And we saw that a couple weeks ago against the Eagles as well when he missed, I think it was Sanu and Ridley both down the middle of the field in the middle of the end zone and just couldn't hit them. But the Titans, got to give them props. Their defense was solid, flying around, playing physical. Their offense I didn't see much of, so I don't want to give an opinion. But I will say, AJ is looking pretty good. Kid from Old Miss. Last name. Why is it all of a sudden falling out on me? Brown. Thank you. AJ Brown. Kid's got a little juice in him. He does. Uh, yeah, and... Mariota looked comfortable for maybe the first time in like four years. Like he just he looked like a good good quarterback. And the the weird thing about this game is like a lot was through. And given it was like two big passing plays where a lot of it was AJ Brown making plays, but they were beating them without the run game going. Atlanta was selling out on stopping Derrick Henry. I think Henry had like twenty three rushing yards at halftime, something around there, and then ended up with a hundred. Uh, and it was more volume. It was 23 or 24 carries for 100 yards. Average isn't amazing. But, uh, you know, he's that's what he, that's what Henry's going to be very good at, though. If they get this lead, Titans can win ballgames because Henry can just grind those yards out and grind out a win for them. 
And that, that was the difference maker, like you said. But the Titans, they still found a way to win. We both predicted that we were good. Uh, sorry about this last game. The Eagles and Packers, we both picked the Packers to win. They eventually lost. Um, our next game, though, the Patriots versus the Bills. Um, you actually had the, the Pats winning by seven. I had the Bills covering. The Bills did, in fact, cover. But this game, I went and watched right before we hopped on. And the Bills ultimately defeated themselves in this game. Their defense was absolutely outstanding. Outstanding. They lived up to everything that we've been saying all offseason. And it's awesome to see the mainstream media go, you know what? This Bills defense is pretty real. And I'm just sitting back here like, huh, I wonder who's been saying that for six months. Us, right here. So that's really cool to see. Um, the Patriots defense is also real. Their special teams, pretty good, getting a touchdown. But, like I said, the Bills beat themselves here. Josh Allen did too much. You could tell that he wanted to win this game big, and that's great for the Bills. Like That's exciting for Bills fans. If we have any Bills fans listening, let us know, because I'm telling you right now, this team is serious. You give Josh Allen another battle against the Patriots and to learn from this game, and I think it's going to be a different turnout, because he was slinging the ball down the field. He wanted those big plays. Uh, his first interception... Um, just try too hard to get it down the field. He just tried to throw a bullet into double coverage. You got a guy underneath and a guy over top. McCourty comes down with, I think, his fourth interception for four straight games. That's impressive by him. The other interception from Allen that I saw in the first half, he launches it like 45 yards down the field on his back foot, under throws it. It gets intercepted as well. But if he steps into that, I think that's a touchdown. Um, the other thing I saw was him doing too much in the pocket. He was either ex trying to escape too early and realizing it and then setting his feet back and then going, crap, no, I need the run. And he was just indecisive there at times, and that's what hurt them. But their defense, like I said, is what kept them in this game for the majority of it, and then missed field goals was another one. Um, speaking of missed field goals, I'll wait till later to bust on the team that had it. But, man, they need to figure that out if they want to have any chance of covering Trish, you may know what team I'm fucking talking about. <laughs> Is there anything you want to say about the Patriots besides just their tear at running back that they have? Yeah, I mean, Patriots, yeah, they, they got all sorts of weapons there, right? But again, this Bills defense slowed them down. Like, that's what's amazing about this Bills defense and why we've been saying that they're going to be a threat to make the playoffs because they can do that. And you don't want to face a team like them in the playoffs, a team that can slow down offenses, and you know that they're just one play away from a quarterback that, that'll beat you in the playoffs. I mean, very similar to the 2017 Jags, right? Like, you're like, shit, we have to grind out points and hope that this quarterback that can actually run the ball like doesn't make a big play on us. And that's what they can do. So I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for what the Jet or the jets what the bills are doing uh and like you said i did pick the patriots to cover we talked about it i didn't want to but i wanted to be a little different there uh almost almost went my way one one more point and it would have happened but um overall bills aren't going away is what i guess what i'm getting at yep uh our next game here the raiders versus the colts um another win by me here for picking oakland to cover down six and a half <clears throat> excuse me i think my God, let me, I got a squeak there in my voice. Wow, I'm going to say excuse me about three times here. But Oakland shocked some people. They shocked the shit out of me. I don't know what happened this week. But, man, Derek Carr looks pretty good. 
besides Vontez Burfitt just deciding to try and kill a tight end for the Colts, they looked like a pretty good game for Oakland, but the Colts, yeah, it was a good game for the Colts, for the Raiders. My word, I am struggling right now for this game. But the Colts, they just didn't seem in sync, and it showed big time. And they're going to have to make up for it next week coming to Kansas City. But, Treese, is there anything you want to say about this? Uh, this offense is not the same without T.Y. Hilton. You could tell that now, now all of a sudden, no T.Y. Hilton. You can really focus on Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack is not a guy that can win you a ball game without a number one wide receiver, um, making it so you can't load the box. And so that was rough. And I think that the Colts, they're not going away. They're still 2-2. Two and two. I mean, the whole AFC South is 2-2. Two and two. That division's going to be coming down to the wire all season, I think. But uh, long story short, they missed T.Y. Hilton tremendously. You could tell it. And you could tell that the, the offense really runs through him. As weird as that is for a wide receiver, that doesn't happen very often. But it absolutely does. I completely agree with you. Um, that's it for that game. Moving on to the Chiefs and the Lions, where we both had Kansas City covering by six and a half. I gave a pretty confident and encouraging speech for the Chiefs to eventually be in a close game the entire fucking time. To say emotional roller coaster would be an understatement. I had no idea what was going to happen with this game. I had confidence in the Chiefs, but the amount of fumbles and turnovers that the receivers had was frustrating being out of sync with his receivers for Patrick Mahomes was the first time that it really showed. Um, this was also the first game where it was pretty evident the Chiefs missed Tyreek Hill in the end zone on scramble plays where the play kind of initially breaks down, you know, Ty- Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey, the one two punch on getting open and still making a play happen. But Shady McCoy was a difference maker in this game for the Chiefs. And their defense as well. That late turnover, the touchdown that was called back for the Lions to eventually fumble it the next play, and Chris Jones picks it up. That was big. The red zone turnovers were what killed the Lions. But other than that, man, their defense is good. And I remember telling you when I wrote my preseason, you know, what to be optimistic for, and I went over the Lions, and I was like, this is a team that I think we undervalued because they have a lot of pieces on the defensive side of the ball for Matt Patricia to do similar to what they had in New England. And it showed this last game. They did exactly what New England did last season in the playoffs against the Chiefs. They doubled Kelsey in big moments. They were able to do man on the outside. They were able to get Watkins off his route. They were able to get Robinson off his route. And then Michael Hardman just shot himself in the foot, which I believe was just running the wrong routes. And Patrick Mahomes has showed a lot of frustration in the last two weeks. But the Lions offense was another thing that kind of awakened. Matthew Stafford threw some perfect balls. That last touchdown that he threw to Galladay, um, I guess the last two that he threw to Galladay, the one in the middle of the end zone with that tight window, when you watch it from the back view of seeing like Stafford's eyes and then him turning to throw it, that was a very cool angle. I wish they would have just kept showing that because that was a replay that I just thought was outstanding. So good guy, good play there by the cameraman. Um, Treese, what do you want to add to this game, if anything? Uh, I mean, I was going to kind of let you own this since it's your team. But, yeah, the Lions played very, very well, obviously. They took them down to the wire. And you just need to – now you need to regroup as the Lions, right? You need to regroup. You have a bye this week. And then you go and play Green Bay. And I believe that's on a Monday night game. 
And you got to just be ready for that division game. You cannot let that one slip. And then all of a sudden you're two, two and one. And that great start now falls out the window. You have got to win this game. You have got to make it five in a row against Aaron Rodgers. Well, I guess it's not Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers, because Rodgers hasn't played some of those games. But if you do that, though, you're taking a stranglehold on that NFC North. It is a very big game. And, uh, Let's just hope that Stafford keeps playing that way, man. He, he, it was awesome to watch him play because we talked about him a lot over the offseason, good and bad. Yeah. And uh, it's good to see that. I'm, I'm very excited for Lions fans. I'm, I'm all for when teams struggle for a very long time and their fans get excited when their team is doing well. I mean, I went through it a couple of years ago. And so good for them. Like, let's just hope that it let's hope that it sticks. I completely agree with you. I'm just glad that they didn't eventually win and that Patrick Mahomes showed why he is the MVP of the league and why he's going to be winning pretty confidently back-to-back. Knocking on wood here. Um, Didn't, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Chargers and Dolphins. I'm not going to make that joke. The Chargers and the Dolphins is our next game where the Chargers were supposed to win by 15-and-a-half, covered by 15-and-a-half. They did it. Uh, Miami, that was the last shot there, pals. <laughs> Done with you, sons of bitches. You're going to get the first pick in the draft. Congratulations, because you just you can't not lose by 15-plus. The Chargers this game, I'm just going to do this quickly. The Chargers just kind of made their way down the field any way they wanted. Uh, Phillip Rivers is looks to be just saving his arm for the end of the year instead of taking all these deep shots now. He hardly took any this game. The amount of throws that he had to the running backs, to Pope and Eckler, was just freaking over and 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 over. You know, a little Marshawn Lynch there for you. But uh, he just kept doing that. And then Keenan Allen didn't really have a big game. Philip Rivers took a couple shots. The one big play that Keenan Allen had got called back because of an offensive penalty. You just hate to see it. But for Miami, their quarterback is Josh Rosen. And if they move on from that, they're stupid. And if they do, the Minnesota Vikings need to jump on them quickly because they need to figure out something to do with Kirk Cousins and get him if the Dolphins go, yeah, we don't really want Josh Rosen because this dude is fighting in the pocket. He is staying alive in the pocket. He is taking shots while throwing. He's got a stronger arm than we all realize. I mean, he is throwing out routes on the money. And he's a guy that I would want to be on a quarterback for my team if I don't have Patrick Mahomes, I'm not saying he's up there, but I'm saying if I don't have Patrick Mahomes and I'm seeing another team not want him, not want Josh Rosen, I would be the team to pick him up because the kid is for real. The Dolphins just drop touchdowns. They drop routes over the middle where they can break a tackle and go. They have no running game. Their offensive line is atrocious, and their defense just goes, hey, you have the ball. You want me to count how fast you are? Because I'm not going to tackle you. And that's just about how their defense plays. But Josh Rosen is a good quarterback. And I really hope that they use all these first-round picks to draft offensive linemen and talent. That's just what I want the Dolphins to do. Because they ain't covering shit for the rest of the year. Let me just tell you that. Let's just hope that they can get, like, a stud left tackle. Because, like, that's super hard to get. I, it would be it would be idiotic to just trade one away if you yeah. have one. Yeah, it'd be idiotic. Like, who would do that? Like, I hope that they use one of those awesome first-round picks for one because, you know, they haven't been fortunate enough to have one or not. But, hey, you know, you win some, you lose some, I guess. 
Uh, well, if you're the Dolphins, that, you lose all of them. The ball. Damn it. You beat me to it. Um, but, dude, the Pope kid, I legit thought it was Tolbert every single time he touched the ball. I'm like, Tolbert come out of retirement back on the Chargers? What the fuck's going on? He, like, looks just like him. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but Gordon was active and did not play a single snap. So I think that that was more because Justin Jackson was gone or injured, right? And so it was, hey, if Pope or Eckler go down, we're going to need somebody that can take some carries. But if not, you're just not going to see the field. And that's what happened. So uh, good for them, though. I think that's the smart play. Like, beat the fucking Dolphins. Like, it's not hard. And then let him come back next week where he's now had two weeks of practice. So uh, that's that's a big change for them. You'll, you'll, it'll be interesting to see how they mix him in, and then you're just a couple weeks away from Derwin James coming back. This team's starting to gear up, man. They're starting to gear up. Slow start, but they're going to get going here. So overall, yeah, I think that you kind of said everything you needed to. This Dolphins team is just – I'm still going to stick with what I've said the last couple of weeks. I still think that they – accidentally win a game and the Washington Redskins get the number one overall pick. Um, I don't think it's, I think it's going to be a team that we haven't talked about at all yet. Um, or really being a team that is as bad as they are and could very potentially not win a game this year. And we'll get to them here in a little bit. Um, one thing, one other thing I want to say about the chargers running backs, very similar to what the Patriots have. So the chargers have Gordon Eckler and Pope, right? You and have Justin a back that has power and can catch the ball. You have a power back who can also catch the ball and make some moves. And then you have Pope, who's merely just take the ball and fucking get us yards. The Patriots have that. And Sonny Michelle, James White, and Rex Burkhead. Watching that game back for the Dolphins and Chargers, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, man, they have a true three-headed monster in the backfield. And honestly, so does Kansas City, but I'm not going to sit here and be a homer. Um, let's move. Actually, this is the team I was talking about. The Jaguars versus the Broncos. We both had Jacksonville covering where the Broncos were so shockingly covered to win by three. But uh, Minshew magic, baby. Boy, does he look good in the pocket. Uh, take it away, sir. In the pocket, out of the pocket, it doesn't matter. He's looking good. He's making tons of plays. It, it's crazy to watch. It, it's almost like Russell Wilson esque like he's like dodging guys in the pocket and getting out and making plays and always looking down the field I love what I'm seeing from him 71% completion percentage on the season so far he's doing great being able to come back so they had that rough roughing or unsportsmanlike on the DJ chart touchdown right before the half where you thought that you're going to go down only six or seven going into halftime, end up having to kick a field goal. You're down six to 16 or something like that, six to 14 um, at halftime, 17 is actually what it was. And then uh, the way he can come back, man, like coming back down two scores on the road is awesome. Not to mention Joe Flacco leading the team down and taking the lead with a minute and 20 seconds left. And then you have to go back down. First play of that next drive, he get uh, Minshew gets hurt, hurts his leg. Next play, then gets roughing the passer on him, just getting beat up by Von Miller. And then just making plays. D, uh, D.D. Westbrook, huge play there. 
And then, of course, let's get to this first. <laughs> Leonard Fournette. I went off on Leonard Fournette last week on this episode. Just, oh, I talked some mad shit. And then, of course, I play him in fantasy, and he decides to have a career day. It's awesome. <laughs> it was awesome to see. Um, but 200 and what was it, 30 yards? 225, sorry. 225 yards. Just great game. Finally showing a little bit of like vision and making some big plays. How he didn't fall. How do you go 225 yards and not have a touchdown? Like that's almost like impossible. But it's Leonard Fournette for you. (laughs) That was huge. I mean, it just makes this offense go. Like Minshew is just even better when that's the case. And I'm. I am ecstatic they're two and two right now. Like I literally could have seen this going downhill very quickly. Oh and two start. And but now look, man, two and two. Minshew has led drives with less than two minutes left to basically take the lead twice now, given they went for two on against Houston and didn't get it, but to tie the game, right? And then obviously a big Thursday night win. I I'm buying it, man. I and the whole thing with Ramsey is just super weird. Like, I think the media is just trying to eat that up at this point where it's kind of dying down. I know, I, yeah, you keep saying this, but you kept telling me that, that he was going to be a chief two weeks ago. But he, so he, he had a kid, first off, and like people are like, whoa, he just wants to be out of the facility. He had a kid. Like, James White missed a game the other day as well. So let's relax for a second. And then he hurt his back and left the game against the Titans. Nobody wants to talk about how he actually left the game. And then he he just couldn't play this week. Sure, sure. Yes, he wa- he's he does want to trade, right? And so maybe maybe he's not fighting through it completely there. But to act like he's faking an injury is is idiotic. The dude is very very competitive. Very competitive. He will he will play. It does not it doesn't do him much good to not play. So does he could he still get traded? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But people the media made this a much bigger deal than what it was. Did they? Yeah, they did. They I mean, really did. You're so, the one okay, So he the- gets hurt. So he gets hurt, right? Against the Titans. Correct. Okay. Then he's sick. Okay. Which he was in the facility. He just didn't practice. People do that all the time. All the thought- time. It they made it, it made it seem like he called in sick and didn't Thank show. you, thank you. So the media again making a big deal out of nothing. He he called them and said, "Hey, I'm sick. I'm going to come in and get IVs, but I'm, there's no way I can practice. I didn't get any sleep and I've been throwing up all night." They come in, they're like, "Holy shit, you are very dehydrated." Let's, while while we're practicing, you just sit here and get IVs. Okay, so he's sick. Okay, and then he has the birth of his job. Congratulations. Goes back home to Tennessee. Yep. Then comes into the game, it looks like there was a reiteration of wanting to be traded and then sitting out. So so he warmed up trying to practice and trying to play the game. Warmed up, and the bite, the back was tight, and he didn't play. He, he literally flew. If he wanted to be traded so badly and didn't want anything to do it, he wouldn't have made the trip all the way to Denver. He wouldn't have done that. He would have just been like, hey— 
back still hurts. I'm not going to play. Let me just stay in Jacksonville. Let me stay in Tennessee with my newborn child. I'll see you guys on Monday. All right. I still, I think he gets traded. I, That's I fine. Do. I'm not saying that. I, I'm not saying that. I, well, actually, I kind of don't. They they got an offer. They got an offer for two first rounders this weekend, and they said no. By who? They, I don't know what team it was. It was somebody. It was somebody that they said will be in around pick twenty-five to thirty-two, and they think that it's not worth it to have two picks that they believe will be that late. So, <clears throat> sorry, Chiefs. Uh, if it was you, come up with a better offer. <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty fucking good offer. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Know. So, but that this is what I've been saying the whole time, though, right? It's going to have to be something amazing, and I don't care what the Chiefs think are good. What what they believe is a good offer, or whatever any team, it, it's what the Jaguars think is a good offer. That's how trades work. Well, I understand that. Let's move on from this because you're <laughs> you just all right. Moving on, the Denver Broncos losing another one. Um, this is the team that I was actually talking about that just couldn't figure it out. The last team that we talked about actually here. Excuse me, I'm back up one second. Chargers versus the Dolphins. Dolphins need a new field goal kicker. Uh, he missed field goals. If he hits those field goals, they probably fucking cover. So screw you, kicker for the Dolphins. But back to this game. The Broncos. This is the team that I was mentioning on us not talking about yet that has the potential to be picking in the top five once again for, what, the third time in four years? Because they got Bradley Chubb. Last year they had... What pick were they last year? Who fucking cares? In top, in top 10, I believe. But here we go. Their, the rest of their schedule sets them up to potentially lose almost every game. Next week, they play the Broncos. The week after that, they play the Titans. After that, they play the Chiefs. After that, they play the Colts, the Browns, Vikings, Bills, Chargers, Texans, Chiefs. Lions, Raiders. The only chance that they really have to win, in all honesty, in my eyes, is against the Raiders at the end of the year. This team is not looking good. It's like they do, and then they just poop out. I work with Broncos fans in Kansas City. They're the most annoying sons of bitches I've honestly been around because they're like, okay, talk to us when you got two Super Bowls, da-da-da-da. And then I go back with, well, talk to me when your GM finds you a quarterback. And you're like, I don't even know what you mean. He got us Peyton Manning. Yeah, that's all he's gotten you is Peyton Manning. But the Broncos are a team that I can see just honestly losing almost every single one of these games. And it's going to be kind of the shell shock of the NFL that they're not as good. Because the whole point of going and getting Joe Flacco was to make a difference and to make defenses cover every blade of grass on the field is what I believe Elway said. So the Broncos, I just don't see anything to be optimistic about moving forward, to be honest with you. Trace, anything else you want to add to this game? Bradley Chubb being out for the season with a torn ACL is just a huge loss. Yep. Okay, so moving on to our next game, the Redskins versus the Giants. We both had the Giants covering, and boy, did they. Mr. Daniel Danger Zane, Danger Zone Jones had kind of somewhat of an iffy game, but he kept his team in it enough to give them the W. I mean, enough by kind of almost nearly <laughs> blowing out the Redskins. But him staying alive in the pocket is what can keep Giants fans excited. 
almost getting sacked, breaks through up the middle, gets the first down, keeps going, dives between three Redskin defenders, and not a one of them want to hit him because they don't want to get a penalty. But the Redskins, man, yikes. You play, you play Haskins. He does okay. He has a couple interceptions, a couple silly ones. One of them was out of his control. I think two of them were not his fault. I think one of them literally hit the tight end right in the chest. Bounced in the air, got intercepted, and I think the other one was tipped and got intercepted as well. But he looked okay, but it wasn't anything impressive to where I'm a Redskins fan. I'm going, hey, there's our quarterback of the future. I know it's his first game, and he comes in in the middle of it. But, yeah, that's really all I have to say about this game. Yeah, uh, they should honestly, the Redskins should just go with Colt McCoy the rest of the year and just let Haskins continue to sit. He needs time. And, yeah, I think the Giants got lucky that it was the Redskins. If it was another team besides the Dolphins, they probably would have lost that game. Yeah, you can't have the two turnovers like that from Jones. And the defense, there was a lot of holes in that, and Canem just missed wide open guys. So, uh, but, hey, again, Good for the Giants, two for two and two now. You hope that they don't win just enough games to end up with like a seven and nine record and just like screw themselves out of draft picks. Uh, but again, this is what Daniel Jones can do that Eli can't do. And that, like you said, make plays with your feet, extend plays. So uh, as a Giants fan, you got to be excited about that. Gallman looked fine, man. I mean, obviously he's no Saquon, but they're they're finding ways to get that running back position open and in open field. So good for them. For real. Um, heading into our next game, the Browns versus the Ravens. Uh, we put quite the beat down on the Browns last week. I said a lot of things towards Baker Mayfield, and I called him some names, and I said some things about the rest of the team and his decision making. And they responded by spanking the Ravens, um, in a lack of better words, honestly. Um, the thing with Baker, though, still not anything as impressive. It was a good team win. Your defense is good. The defense showed up. Baker Mayfield tried to roll out of the pocket a little early, decides to stand still and sees an underneath tight end and hits him for, what, a five-yard touchdown, if that. Congratulations and your other big plays. I, I'm not going to steal. Therese told me this before we hopped on because I had missed it. But it was, what, out routes to Landry, who eventually just turned up and, you know, got big yardage. But from there, that's about all the Browns did. And the Ravens, it just didn't appear to have an answer this week. Yeah, the defense looked shitty for the Ravens. They looked really bad. But Browns, like, you need to run. This This is Nick Chubb's team. This isn't Baker Mayfield's team. Uh, Nick Chubb is a stud. Like, he is so good. And, yeah, Baker threw for 340 yards or something like that. Again, a lot, I think, were just after-the-catch type plays where your receivers are making field plays, which there's nothing wrong with that. I don't, I don't want us to make it seem like, oh, it's just that. Like, that's... That was their game plan, right? Like, you get the ball into Jarvis's hands or Odell's hands, and you let them do the work. But you also can't always just credit Baker for those yards when it wasn't him making all these plays. And he still had another silly interception. Like, he has to cut those down. He really does. For this team to make a run, he's going to have to. Like, plain and simple. Obviously, this team has the talent. Two and two now. Tied with the division lead. Like, you had a shitty start of the season. You've already climbed back. Let's see what happens in the next 12 weeks. Go and, go and do your work. They got a tough schedule. So I'm I'm 
actually very intrigued and excited to see how they handle these next like five or six weeks. It's a, it's a tough schedule here. Uh, but overall, yeah, they made some plays and good for them and way to recover. It was, it was a good game, but you can't, you just can't be inconsistent. You can't turn the ball over. Absolutely. Um, another thing for the Browns you said this is Nick Chubb's team, wait till Kareem Hunt comes back as well. I mean, that one, two punch is going to be something else. Because I think he's just going to be ready to go for Kareem Hunt. And that's just going to be another weapon for them. Moving to our next game, the Panthers versus the Texans. I think the best part about this game was the press conference interview from Has- or from uh, Watson to the reporter. Asking him if he knew what coverage the Panthers were running. So props to you, Trees, first of all, for giving their secondary credit before this game. That was kind of the the game-changing or the deciding factor for me on taking them for this, as we both covered with the Texans favored by four and a half. Um, the kid for Carolina, not the prettiest game. Nope. Not really the prettiest last couple games, but he's winning them games. Like, they are winning. The ball is getting spread around. The ball is getting down the field, so good for them. And then the Panthers' defense is doing just enough to stop opposing offenses. And the Panthers might be a team that, it's making a difference here for the AFC South or the NFC South, excuse me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jags played them next week, and I'm, I'm a little worried about that game. I could see, I could see that Christian McCaffrey guy uh, doing some doing some major things, but overall, Texans just looked a little out of sync. It was it was weird to watch that, but yeah, you got to give credit to Luke Keekley's specifically man he was getting that defense lined up in the right spots all the time it was almost a watson versus keekley battle there and i think keekley got the best of him obviously with them winning uh texans though i mean they're not going to go away uh they're, they're still going to be a great team defense is still looking solid offense has playmakers for days so uh again i'll say it again four teams all afc in the afc south two and two it, it's going to be a dogfight, and very excited to see how this thing turns out. Absolutely. Um, Our next game here, quite the shock. Uh, the Buccaneers, they sliced the Rams apart. Uh, I was trying to find a little good pun there. But really, that's what they did. They sliced the Rams up. Like, the Bucks defense <laughs> is pretty freaking good. You like that, Trees? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, thank you. I wish we had, like, sword sound effects, because that would be really cool to put in there. But, uh, anyways, the Bucks sliced the Rams. Heard it, heard it three times now. The Rams were favored to cover by nine and a half. Trees rolled all over with that. You know, thought he would just kind of headbutt his way through the competition. But here I come. Ship ahoy, baby. Buccaneers cover. Eventually win the game. The defense was the difference maker for the Buccaneers. And Jameis Winston showed why he was drafted where he was this game. Still had another silly interception. It was literally the announcers just, the announcers cursed. were like, Jameis Winston's done really good this game. He hasn't made any silly decisions. And it's like, I had just flipped on the game because the score surprised me. INT, like immediately following it. And I was like, well, okay. Marcus Peters turns around, gets uh, murdered on his way to the end zone. Um, probably shouldn't have been celebrating with his teammates like he was because I really do think he is concussed. That helmet-to-helmet shot that he took from the Buccaneers offensive lineman was a deadly one. 
Head injuries are not a joke, so I do apologize if I've made anyone uncomfortable here. But Marcus Peters is just adding to the problems that he has had with headshots. But that was his one good play. And then Jared Goff had a good game, but the Buccaneers defense just had a better one. Getting pressure, getting interceptions, and just honestly made the Rams out of sync. Yeah, they did. It's crazy to think that you could watch a game where there was 110 passes. It's crazy. Six, yeah. 68 for Goff. I don't know how Gurley still only has five carries. I, I just don't get it. I, and I get the, like Goff had 68 passing attempts? Yes. And Gurley had five rushing attempts. Correct. I did not notice that. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Like, I just don't get it. I just, like, you You almost have to run a little bit more just to give that arm a break. Like, <laughs> 68 throws is a ton. Um, obviously, they clearly saw something in the pass defense. And I know that the Tampa has the number one rush defense in the NFL right now. And obviously, this just makes it even more so when you only have, a like, nine rush, no, 11 <laughs> rushes as a team. Um, but, like... <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just felt like they could have. This team is so reliant on the play action fake that it, it was just a weird game plan to me. Uh, but overall, man, it, this Tampa, this Tampa team is so funny because we we said this a few weeks ago that Jameis is going to have like two or three of these games a year that are just like shit. Is he is he turning around? Is he is Bruce Arians making him better? And you're like, yeah, probably not. But. Their weapons are just crazy. Like, the Chris Godwin-Mike Evans combo is one of the best combos in the NFL. Godwin had a hell of a game this week. I mean, the dude just went off, honestly. Just props to Godwin, honestly. Like, damn, dude. Yeah, so back-to-back weeks that one of them has over 170 rushing yards or receiving yards and multiple touchdowns. It's... you. They are showing that you can't double team one guy because they will they will punish you with the other guy. Like you gotta just play this team straight up and just hope that hope that you can slow them down and keep them in front of you. With a tight end like Howard, that's not being really used at all. At all, uh, three catches for thirty three yards. Like that that's basically his average this season. It's crazy. He's he. They're just not using him. But Bruce Arians just has never used a tight end very much in his offense. Which is kind of weird for as much as he likes to throw. Like, having a tight end is almost like having a good running game. Like, it yeah. opens up the over-the-top if you have a tight end coming underneath and in the middle of the field that's going to grab a safety's attention. But not to Arians. He's like, I'm just going to have guys run right past you, sons of bitches. Yeah, and I, and I don't know this for certain, but I, I actually should go back and look to see, like, how often do they have their tight ends just stay into block and – then just have the two or three wide receivers go out. And that's why they can make big plays is because they have that extra second of time to throw the ball. But I don't know. That's, that's something really, that's really good question. So, all right, let's move on to the next one. The Seattle Seahawks versus the Arizona Cardinals. When you said there's another team that may not be, maybe fighting for the number one pick. I thought you were talking about this team and that's the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I, is it safe to say the height thing is going to be an issue with Kyler? 
I mean, fuck, what have I been saying all damn, all fucking off season? Have I not once said like, oh man, five ten, no fucking worries. Little dude that wanted to play baseball, he'll be fucking fine. Put him in a pocket with six five offensive linemen, three hundred thirty pound guys that run four five, just fucking sprinting at him. No problem. This dude's gonna do great. No, not at all. I said the same shit about Baker Mayfield. He can't see in the fucking pocket, so he rolls out to the right. And now defenses are like, hey, look at old number six rolling out to the right, like we said. Whammy! Sacked. Kyler Murray, I'm going to take fucking seven steps backwards. Ain't no way they're going to make a curve that big. Guess what, bro? They don't have to curve. The only thing they got to do is run straight and maybe make like a two-degree angle to the left on the run or to the right. And they're going to meet you there because you're just standing like a freaking duck. And by the time you move up in the pocket, the defensive lineman or the blitzing linebacker are right there to greet you. And then you want to throw an out route. Everyone's picking off an out route, brother. I mean, shit, we see it coming. When the receiver has done the same route in the same situation every time, someone's going to notice it. The height thing is an issue for Kyler Murray. Yes. Sorry for the the rant. Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> I, I have more. <laughs> um, but here's the thing: he's not even throwing the out routes anymore. He's just dumping it off to David Johnson, who led the team with eight catches and 99 receiving yards. Um, they need to figure <laughs> how out how many something. receptions did he have? Eight. Eight. Yeah. About maybe six of them. He got blown up the moment he caught it. Yeah. Yeah, and then the other two were like 30-yarders. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, and it just doesn't help that this defense just isn't very good. I mean, they're, they're trying – like, the defense, you can tell. They're literally trying their hardest here. Like, every once in a while you're seeing Suggs and you're seeing Chandler Jones make plays, but it's just not enough. It's really not. And, obviously, getting Patrick Peterson back would will help, but – I don't know. He gets traded to Kansas City. Yeah, maybe. I mean, might as well. Because, so. yeah, I mean, honestly, though, because the Cardinals are just going to go, <laughs> we ain't fucking winning with Mr. 510. Might as well try and get some some good linemen that are a little bit shorter so he can maybe see equal with them or a little bit overwards. But the two guys that I feel really bad for is Terrell Suggs and Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald is a legend at the receiver position. I understand wanting to be in one place for your whole career. That's awesome. But Terrell Suggs to just go home with maybe the mindset of Josh Rosen that looks to be like a pretty good quarterback for a Mr. Kingsbury to go, I don't want him. That's got to stink. But it is what it is. Russell Wilson had a pretty decent game. Seattle wins. We did have him covered by five. We both got that. Anything else you want to say for the Seahawks here? No, but going back to the Cardinals, as bad as Murray is, I mean, he's going to win me some money on the season-long prop bet, so that's fine. Just keep throwing for that 250 yards. That's fine. How many did he have this last game? 241. Well, ain't 250. But here we go to our next game. The Vikings. All, he, all he has to do is throw for 208 per game to beat our little bet there, so that's fine. So he's actually 30 or so yards ahead. Then why did you say 250? Because I thought he had 250 yards, and then I looked down, and it was 241. All right. Moving to our next game, the Vikings <laughs> versus the Bears, where the Bears were favored to win by two. Um, I'm coming out with another W here as the Chicago Bears whomped up on the Vikings and Kirk Cousins, who just loves to stand in the pocket. Um, you see an exit hole to the right? Nope. 
see Stefan Diggs open on the left side on a, on a uh, what would you call it, a flat on a corner route? Nope. Adam Thielen in the middle of the field? Nope. Dalvin Cook up the middle? Boy, you fucking got it. Uh, the Vikings play calling is not very good, and they are not happy with Kirk Cousins. That's why I said earlier that if the Dolphins decide to move on from Josh Rosen, they should be the first team to go get him because two receivers that can catch the ball and a running back is all Josh Rosen needs to honestly compete for a Super Bowl. That's how good I really do think he is. Um, Bears just ran away with this. Mitchell Trubisky goes down, but it almost seemed like their play calling was executed a lot better with Mr. Chase Daniel. Um, he had a pretty good game, kept them in the lead, and then Khalil Mack just does what he does, baby, and that is just turn over the ball and gives it back to his offense. Yeah. Uh, Chase Daniels, man. Looked pretty good. I think overall that's probably what you're going to get from him, though. Like You'll probably get... 70% completion, uh, only like 180 to 200 yards. You'll probably have a touchdown, and you probably won't have very many interceptions. Very safe play. I mean, the only difference between him and Trubisky is Chase Daniels won't miss those like open guys on the sideline, which Trubisky does. I think that's the, that's the only difference, but you're not going to get the plays with your legs like you do with Trubisky. So it's kind of a squash for me like either way, but... They need to throw it to Allen Robinson more. I keep saying this. Um, and yes, I do have him in fantasy, so I want that as well. But like <laughs> seven seven attempts to him and seven catches for 77 yards. And he had another one that was like a 30-yarder that was just a bullshit offensive pass interference call on him. So like why are you – it just doesn't make sense. And why, why did they go away from just those – like Taylor Gabriel, did he – did he even play this game? Oh, yeah, he didn't play this game. Okay. What about Anthony Miller, though? Without without Gabriel there, like, Anthony Miller should just step into that role. So it's not, yes. not even the player. It's like you have this position that's very good in this offense. And it, it, it's almost like the position that they have Tyreek Hill play for the Chiefs. Like, let him go into the slot. Let him go into the backfield. Like, make mismatches. And I just feel like they just don't know how to do it. They're trying to have Cohen play that position. And it's just not really working out. I think you need to – I think it's to the point where you need to choose a position for Cohen and, like, let it be and let Anthony Miller and Taylor Gabriel be that swift army knife for this offense. I couldn't agree more. It's like Matt Nagy can't make up his mind on what he wants to do. Like, it's like he's got so much stuff that he wants to do and that he thinks can be executed, and he just doesn't realize Mitchell Trubisky is not the guy to do it. Or he does realize it, and he doesn't know how to execute with him as the quarterback. In yeah. all reality. I mean, he's used to an Alex Smith. He watched Patrick Mahomes for a year, and then takes a job in Chicago, and I think it might have been too soon. Like, I really do think he might have jumped the ship on going and getting a head coaching job because he's not in a good situation for an offense. Or... Honestly, he—I mean, he is. He does have a good offense. He's got a, some. He's got some speed and he's got some talent. He's just not taking advantage of it, and I don't know why. Because I really thought he could be one of these guys that comes in and shakes up the NFL, similar to what we saw with McVay coming from the Andy Reid um, tree. But it just—it's not turning out that way. That's really yeah. all I have to say for this game. Trees, anything else you want to add, man? Just to add on to that, I mean, yeah, like, this dude has more playmakers than 90% of the NFL. Like, 
all of these guys got brought in after he got hired, right? Allen Robinson, Trey Burton, Montgomery, uh, Cohen was, yeah, his rookie year, right? And then Anthony Miller drafted him, moved up for him. Like, these are guys that you know that Nagy was like, hey, this guy will be great for my offense. And you got that defense. You have to take advantage of this. And you, Bears fans, like, just don't take don't take this defense for granted. Like, this, defenses don't stay elite for very long. It, you Elite defenses usually have, like, a two- to three-year window. Like, just don't take advantage of it, and you need to do something with this offense. So, Nagy, let's go. I, like, I really do hope that they do something. We were very hard on the Bears this offseason. We said they weren't going to win the or make the playoffs. We both said seven and nine records. So, but I hope they do well. Like, I really do. I think that I think it's good for the NFL when the Bears are good. And I completely agree. Like, they're just one of those storied franchises that when everyone knows, I mean, they started off the NFL's 100th season and pooped it out. Yeah. Like, it just wasn't good. And, like you said with Trey Burton coming in, I really haven't seen shit from him. He hasn't done anything. And he was great with the Eagles and Doug Peterson. Like, he really showcased being a good tight end with Zach Ertz. And in this offense with Nagy, it just doesn't seem to be really anything. Um, heading into our one of our last games to go over is the Cowboys versus the Saints. Um, this is actually our last game. We'll save the Monday night game for uh, the Thursday episode. Cowboys, uh, we both picked a cover by two and a half, and Teddy Bridgewater did just enough to win this game, honestly. Did the Cowboys cover? No, because no. the, Cowboys, the Cowboys were favored. That's so. right. Excuse me. Sorry. Um, the Cowboys favored by two and a half. They lost by two. That's right. Okay. Uh, so neither of us got that as we both picked Dallas to, I believe, just honestly win. Um, it did not happen. Like I said just a second ago, Teddy Bridgewater did just enough to keep this game um, ahead for the Saints. He didn't do anything flashy. It wasn't anything fabulous, fantastic. But the Cowboys' offense just did not seem to be in sync like it has before. But, boys, their defense freaking good. Yeah. Yeah, it is good. And the Saints, again, they're not going away. They're going to be there. They're still going to win this eight. NFC South with how bad the the Falcons are doing. I mean, hey, maybe the Panthers do actually make a run there. But um, overall, man, I just think that Lattimore is just he's becoming Lattimore again. Like he's doing very, very well, and it's it's interesting to see how they're managing this offense with Teddy with using Michael Thomas and using uh, Kamara. Like, I felt like the ball was going to one of those two guys every single play, where I, like, with Breeze, you never feel like that. Even though, like, those guys are always doing well, like, you kind of feel like it's spread out a little bit more. Um, But, hey, as long as you can scheme these two open and get them in open field, hey, it's going to fucking work. Absolutely. Um, Teddy Bridgewater did take a couple sacks there at the end of the game which are not needed at this point, but the Cowboys' pass rush and blitz was just on freaking point for them. The thing that I noticed with the Saints was bringing in Taysom Hill at times and moments, and he was still able to make some plays, which was great. But the one thing I noticed the most was down in the goal line, they didn't have Michael Thomas in the game. They ran a goal line set without him, and Teddy Bridgewater threw it to the right side. I, believe, I don't know if he threw it away or if he was just off target, but either way, 
missed opportunity for a touchdown, and then it shows to the sideline, and Sean Payton's talking to Thomas, and surely probably giving his reason on why he wasn't in. But it was just kind of shocking to me on why he wouldn't, why he wouldn't be in that situation no matter what, being paid what he is. You know what I mean? It's like the the Falcons taking out Julio in that type of situation in re- reality. Yeah, it, it for sure is. And something that like gets me really frustrated with offenses in the red zone, like when you're inside like the two or three, I don't like this like power formation anymore where like it's very obvious that you're going to be like, running the ball like 80, 90% of the time. Why are teams not spreading it out for wideouts? Get those safeties and corners just way out and then you can run the ball. I, obviously, you still have the linebackers and stuff, but I just feel like there's just so much more field for the running back to be able to make find a hole and just cut through and just get it. You only need two or three yards. Like, why have why be doing a formation that makes it so there's eleven guys in the box in a sense? Mm-hmm. Or just not doing a quarterback sneak three times in a row. Like yeah. that's another thing I don't like. If you're that close, just like what the Patriots do with Tom Brady. Yeah. Set hut, fall forward, tutty. Thank you. Have a nice day. See you next drive. Like, it's yeah, so easy, and they make it so difficult. Yeah, and if you're – yeah, exactly. If you're inside the one, if you don't do a QB sneak, it's just, it's the wrong play call because you can just reach over, right? You ju- hike, jump over, reach over. It doesn't matter if they swat it out of your hand. What game was – oh, it was the Bills game. Josh Allen did that, right? And, like, even though they swatted it out and then went over to Gore and Gore ended up catching it because they swatted it so hard, like, it doesn't matter because all you have to do is cross the goal line. Like, you don't have to stay in there. Like, just reach over. It just makes too much sense for them to do it, honestly. But it is what it is. Um, That wraps up the week four recap for us. Treese, anything else you want to add for this last week, dude? No, I think I'm good. Awesome. Well, that wraps it up for us, guys. Thanks again for listening. We do appreciate it. Make sure to hit us up on social. But tonight, we have been talking football.